Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. That's what Jesus did. He liked to just turn things upside down and make people uncomfortable to the point that they cried out for a comforter and the Holy Spirit could come, right? Because those who are comfortable are in no need of a comforter. Did you know the Holy Spirit is called a comforter? So if you're comfortable, you don't need the Holy Ghost. (laughs) You actually need him when you're most uncomfortable. So guess what? You're supposed to step out. You know, on the winds and on the waves and, and walk in places that you never thought you could walk before, empowered by the Holy Ghost. And then you're going to look back and go, I can't believe we did that. He's like, I can. Let's do it again. Come on, somebody. It's way better that way. But the only way that happens is if we begin to embrace the family of faith, especially the family that's not like us. Unity in the church is like a hot topic nowadays. It's good. I'm glad that it's a hot topic. I'm good for, I'm good with that, right? But a lot of people are looking for unity in all the wrong ways, like looking for love in all the wrong places, looking for unity in all the wrong ways. We want everybody to think the same, look the same, talk the same, act the same, believe the same about all the things we believe. That's not unity, okay? That's unison. Unison is you sing the same note at the same time. Unity is the harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of the Lord among the family of faith. That's the literal definition of the word unity in the Greek. The harmony that comes. You need multiple notes to sing harmony. Okay? This resonates with me as a musician. But hopefully it's making sense to you, right? So we need people who sing a different note. We need the family that isn't like us to help us be like us. Okay? We actually need each other to have a sound mind, not just for crisis, not just for difficulty, but for growth, for everything in our family of faith walk. Are you with me? So this is the point of this whole series. We are looking for a certain result here. We want a people unified and no longer isolated in the way they carry the Holy Spirit. That's what we are the resting place is about. We want to be a people that God can rest upon, not just the super holy one or two, but the community that he gets to move through. Amen? This whole theme is based out of Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. It's speaking to the church. It says, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together, let's say that together, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This says to me, you were never meant to carry the Holy Ghost by yourself. You were never meant to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit on your own. And the Lone Ranger Christian thing went out with the 80s, bro. That is so 80s, dude. Like, we need to move together as one. Amen? Come on. The results of the opposite is superstar Christianity where you come here, I feed you, and you leave. That's just so weird. So weird. The whole I don't feel fed at that church thing just tells me about the condition of your heart. You only eat once a week. Once a week on Sundays, and I'm supposed to spoon feed you? Like, come on now. You're supposed to be invited. This is actually a bread factory. This is where I make bread, and I make you want it. You know, you that smell of fresh bread being baked in the house. 
You're like, oh, I really want that. I'm here to make you hungry, not feed you. He said to Peter, feed my sheep. The way he feeds them is teach them how to eat. I'm here to make you hungry and teach you how to eat. Amen? And so we want to walk into this idea, this dwelling place for God by the Spirit together as one. Amen? And to have that unity, we need a couple things. Last week we talked about to be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of what? Prayer. That's right. You were listening. Good. Passed the test. Awesome. We have to have prayer in place. In prayer, we got the whole ship thing with the sails. Prayer, the prayers of the saints are the threads of the sails, okay? So the strength of the sails to harness the wind that God wants to send is directly related to our prayer life. I'm happy to say that we had one of the best, the, the best attended prayer meetings in our history here at Tampa on Thursday night last week. That was awesome. But it could be better because a few of you weren't there, okay? So... Come on through, 6 o'clock. We pray till 7.30. It's awesome. It's powerful. We went on roller coaster rides on Thursday. Those who were there, they know. We went on spiritual roller coasters. We literally went all the way. We were doing the whole click, 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 click. Whoa! We, as a room, we went through it. It was crazy. It, it, it was awesome. It was wild. It was so good. It was so good. You should come. It's fun. But this is how he builds us together into a dwelling place for God. He does it through prayer. That's what unifies us. Amen? But that's not the only thing we need. We don't only have to be a people of prayer. To be a people that God can rest upon, we have to be a people of humility. There's no scenario going forward where we can be filled with pride and be a people God can rest upon. None. It's impossible. So we're going to talk about that today. What does it mean to be a people of humility? We're going to read in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. This is Paul, again, speaking to the church in Ephesus. And he's doing it from a prison cell. He says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you. Say, urge you. Say, this is urgent. You need to turn your brain on when you read your Bible. He says, I'm urging you. Don't just read it. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. No. There's a motion. It's, I'm urging you to walk. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility. With all humility and gentleness and patience. With patience. Bearing with one another in love. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. Hello? One body, one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Amen. He's the Father of all. The devil has fathered no one. There's just found sons and daughters and lost sons and daughters. Okay? Yeah, I'm trying to mess with your theology now. I am. I am. And it's believing in Jesus that makes us found. Amen? It, have, it has to be a receiving of Jesus. Unbelief is a rejection of the gift of forgiveness from Jesus Christ. That's what it is. But belief says, I, I need that and I receive it. I take that for myself. But he's the father of all. So we're talking about a people that God can rest upon, needing to be a people of humility. But I want you to, point, I want you to notice that in that passage, humility is unto something greater. It's unto oneness. It's unto unity. 
Humility isn't just sitting there by itself doing what it does. It actually is a part of a program that leads to a unified people no longer isolated in the way they carry the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. Are you seeing this from the scriptures? I'm not making it up. It's right there. So I think that everything in your Bible is there on purpose. I know that's an obvious statement to some, but maybe not others. Everything in your Bible is there on purpose. Amen? Okay. Nothing made it in there by accident, right? <laughs> oh, didn't mean to put that there. Yeah, it's all there on purpose, right? And it's all in order on purpose. Come on, somebody. It's in its order on purpose. So why doesn't it say, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling with all patience and humility? Why does humility come first? Well, I'm glad you're asking good questions this morning because I have good answers for you. That's a great question you're asking there. The first thing we need to walk in our worthy, worthy of our calling is humility because gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love without humility is self-motivated and it will never work. I'll be gentle with you because I really want something. It's actually about me. It's not about you. I'm going to bear with your, I'm going to bear your burdens. I'm going to be patient with you. I'm going to bear with you in love because I hope that I get that back someday. That's a lack of humility. You remove humility from the equation and everything else gets tainted. Patience isn't true patience without humility. Come on. You know the devil can wait, but he can't be patient. I'll tell you why. Because he has no humility. <laughs> okay. Patience isn't waiting long. It's waiting well. Doesn't matter how long you wait. It's how well did you wait. That's how patient you were. That requires great humility. Come on, somebody. Because what is it when you're getting impatient and you want things to hurry up? Why? Because it's about you. <laughs> and you need something. And it's not coming fast enough. And you, I've been here for 15 minutes. And the Chick-fil-A line's still not moving. I need my Jesus chicken now. Yeah. I love watching Christians in the Chick-fil-A line. I'm like, mmm. Wolf in sheep's clothing. Wolf in sheep's clothing. I'm just kidding. Whew. That was too harsh. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. <laughs> Without humility, there is no true gentleness. Without humility, there is no true patience. You cannot bear with one another love in the truest sense of the word. Are you with me? So what is humility? What is it? C.S. Lewis has this really famous quote, but I'm going to share it anyway. It's so good. True humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. False humility is thinking less of yourself or acting like you do because it's just called lying. Okay? There's a lot of false humility in the church. A lot of it. Where people are like, oh my gosh, you did such a great thing. And people say stuff like, it wasn't me. Or this one. Oh, I love this one. I'm trying to save you aggravation in our relationship, all right? So listen closely. <laughs> this one. Oh, you did such a great job. That was beautiful. Bonnie, you sing like an angel. Oh, that was amazing. And she goes, she hasn't, but she could go, oh, it was all God. Sister friend, if it was all God, it would have been better. Thank God this is not a real interaction, and Bonnie would never do this because she's a humble lady. She's a humble sister. That's why I'm using her as an example. She's safe. All right? <laughs> you say to me, it was all God, I'll say, mm, it wasn't that good. It was good, 
but it wasn't God level. Like, you didn't enter God mode, all right? Like, it was not that great. That's false humility right there. And all the while when you're saying those things, it was all God, da-da-da-da-da. Sorry if I'm offending you. Some of your faces, it's a mixed bag of faces in the room. <laughs> all of those hide the true and proper need for affirmation in the human heart. Because all of us need to be affirmed in our efforts. We all need to be loved through our process. And we need to be championed, encouraged. Our second core value is empower everyone. We want you to be empowered, right? We all need that. So when someone says to you, great job, you did a great job, you're lying if you're saying to yourself, it doesn't actually feel good to hear. Or maybe you've got some level of trauma or dysfunction that won't let you receive it. But either way, it's not true humility to shove it off. For me, I just want to be helpful. I want every message I ever preach to truly help every single person that hears it. That's a tall order. That needs supernatural help. That's why I sit with this thing. That's why I pray. That's why I seek the Lord. I plan to preach great sermons every single week. Every single time I speak, I can tell you I'm not planning to suck. <laughs> I'm planning to do well. I'm planning to communicate. Hello? <laughs> I don't know if this is kosher or ruining your parenting plan, but a few weeks ago I said, nothing sucks in heaven, and it's true. Everything's great in heaven, right? I want to bring heaven to earth. That means we got to do well at what we do, right? So I plan to do well, and I plan for you to notice. But I don't plan to step into pride. I'll tell you my pride deterrent. Are you ready? Here's my pride deterrent, what keeps me out of pride. It's a prayer of my life. I've said it many times here. I'll keep saying it. I say, Lord, do something so massive through my life that if I ever try to take the credit for it, everyone would laugh. Do something so obviously God that if I ever try to say, oh, you see what I did there? You see how I, oh, don't you, wasn't that good? Didn't I do great? You'd be like, oh, this boy thinks it was him. What a fool. When you are operating in God-sized output, human credit is irrelevant. You don't have to say, it wasn't me, because we know. <laughs> Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Great quote. I want to read to you a definition of the word humility from the Greek. Because we have our English definition of the word humility. But when the Bible says, with all humility, it's a Greek word. All right? The Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Okay? So we got to go down to that level to really know what we're talking about here. So that word in Ephesians 4 says, with all humility. Right? That word is the word, the Greek word for lowliness, to make yourself low. But I, I don't know how I miss this. I read uh, Bible dictionaries for fun. I'm a nerd. You're welcome. It helps you. I really love this stuff, okay? Like, this is what I read. Helps word studies, the Strong's Concordance, you know, Thayer's Greek lexicon, Brown Driver's Briggs. I love it all. I'm just like, feed me, tell me, because I can't speak Greek. You know what I mean? So, anyway, I'm reading this this week, and it hit me so deep, and I hope it hits you, too. This was, I don't know how I missed this, but it says, 
from the dictionary, the Greek word. Are you ready? Humility or lowliness, this word, is an inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. What? True humility starts with comparing yourself to God, not to your brother. Go ahead and brag to God how well you did compared to how well he would have done. That's the concept. Go ahead and be like, hey, Jesus. <laughs> if, you had, if you would have preached in my church on Sunday, it would have been good. But did you hear what I dropped on him? It was next level, bro. I mean, you're good, but... It's ridiculous on purpose. Like, it would never, he would never say those things to God. And yet, humility in our, our intentionality around humility in the church is usually about comparing to other people. I'm not as great as Joe Schmo. I wouldn't be, uh, that person does this. I'm over here. I'm here. They're there. We're comparing, we're comparing to people. But that's false humility. It doesn't produce what's supposed to be produced. Comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others produces an inside-out virtue. That's what it produces. I'm going to keep reading. It says, this brings behavior into alignment with this inner revelation to keep one from being self-exalting, self-determining, or self-inflated. For the believer, this word humility means living in complete dependence on the Lord with no reliance on yourself. I have gifts. I have skills. I have anointing. I have things that God will never take back. The gifts and calls of God, Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, are without repentance, meaning he's never going to go, I'm sorry I gave you that gift, Caleb. I have a communication gift. I have a teaching gift. But I am not relying on those gifts standing in front of you right now. I'm relying on the Lord to speak through me. 1 Peter 4, 11 says, if any man speak, let him speak as an oracle of the Lord. You know what the responsibility for that is? I expect you to hear the voice of God in my voice today. I can't produce that. I can't plan my way into it. But I do plan my way in. Because do everything with excellence is unto the Lord, not unto men. Are you hearing this? <laughs> An inside-out virtue produced by comparing ourselves to the Lord rather than to others. You know what that says to me? That says to me that true humility is rooted in the fear of the Lord. True humility is rooted in the awe and wonder. We talked about it earlier. But this is uh, Proverbs 15:33 says it this way. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. So you need to understand that the fear of the Lord is not terror or horror, right? It's reverential awe. It's worship. It's wonder. It's looking at God and going, whoa, you're big. Like, if, like I've, how much can I say on live stream without getting in trouble? The theology police, they, they, they write me. I'm not preaching doctrine right now, okay? I'm just telling you some experiences I had that the Lord has led me into the fear of the Lord, the awe and wonder of God, okay? Just some experiences. And I might be going crazy, or they might have been helpful. You judge. All right. Have you ever seen the Father, like, in a vision? I know Abraham has because we talk about this stuff. This is what we talk about. <laughs> I've seen him too. It's like you barely fit on his pinky toe toenail. You're a speck on his pinky toe toenail. That's how 
if you, that's how I saw him. It's just, you don't even see the end of it. It's, if Jesus walked in this room and manifested his person in the natural, you know what the reaction would be from every believer, unbeliever, whatever you are? You'd be on your face. There would be no one standing. They would not be optional. You wouldn't be able to resist it. You would have a default reaction. Why? Because you've compared yourself to the Lord. That's lowliness. That's true humility. That's the fear of the Lord that produces humility. We have to be intentional in this. It's not just going to happen. I don't believe that God is wanting us to wait for Jesus to return for us to be humble. So it has to come through another way, amen? Like, it would come by default if Jesus walked in the room right now, right? And you saw him with your open eyes. Default, face, floor, done. Carpet, concrete, doesn't matter. You're on the floor. It's over, right? Just hoping you don't, like, burn up or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> intense. And yet, we read it earlier, still so approachable. Somehow that God, the God who answers by fire, is approachable and wants to talk all the time. Amazing. So we have to be intentional with our humility. It's going to take effort. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're going to have to try. Now tell them, you're going to have to try. Now turn to the other neighbor you don't like as much and say, you also are going to have to try. <laughs> I love doing that to you. It's so fun. It's going to take effort. First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 through 7. We have it on the screens. It says, clothe yourselves, all of you. Like, get dressed in the morning, please. Thank God all of you did that. Hallelujah. You need to clothe yourself, all of you, also with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore. Listen. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's talk about this God opposes the proud thing. You've probably heard this verse, but I wonder if you've ever heard the definition of the Greek word. That Greek word means to range and battle against, to set oneself against, to oppose. It means to square off with. God is going to square off with you, like put his hands up and square up like boxers. The minute you step in pride, Jesus puts his hands up. That should give you the fear of the Lord right there. I don't care how quick your jab is, you're done. You're done, gone. Squared off, it means to resist. It means to reject the entire makeup of something, its whole arrangement from its very setup or organization to the final way that it's ordered. This is a very old military term. Listen to this. It was used for placing soldiers in specific platoons with a specific function in order to uh, order attack or a resistance against an enemy. It's organized resistance. When it says God opposes the brother, the word opposes, it's organized resistance. He's not just working against you. He's putting a battle array against you. We're talking about the God of angel armies. He's got some firepower. You know? I mean, have you read the, like, the last book? Have you read the whole thing? It's intense. All right? <laughs> He's got some, some really big, have you ever seen an angel? You know why? 
You know why they always say be not afraid? Because they're awful. God is awful. You go, no, no, no. God is awesome. No. God is not awesome. God is awful. And that is why you get, really get aware of God, you hit the deck. I had a moment in worship. I literally felt marching. I felt boots around me. I was sitting there, and I felt like around me on the ground. I just hit the deck because I got scared. I did. I went on my face until the marching stopped. I did. I was like, I don't know what that is. I just got, I was like, the presence of God was so thick, and I just hit, I just hit the deck. I was like, <gasps> you know, and I know what I'm preaching on, so I'm like, are you putting a battle arrangement against me? Am I stepping into pride? Are you opposing me? I was like, seriously, thankfully, I don't think he was, but maybe until I hit the deck. I don't know, but I'm just saying, do you want God to put a, an army encampment against you? Then you cannot afford an ounce of pride in your life. And it says you're to humble yourselves. You know what that means? That means you actually have to be, have something to be humble about. Okay. True humility actually requires greatness. True humility requires something you're not bragging about. <laughs> you actually have to be good at something to humble yourself. Okay, there's being humbled by God, there's being humbled by life, and then there's being humbled by yourself. They're very different, okay? You don't want God to have to humble you, bro. That is never fun. Uh-uh. So humble yourselves before, before he has to. True humility requires greatness. I have friends, I have people that we've helped get off of the street, okay? I have friends, names and faces, all right? They've gotten off the street. They were homeless. Let me help you. They could not humble themselves while living on the streets. They had nothing to be humble about. It's when they get in that nice new house. It's when they get that new job. It's when God starts moving through their life and they refuse to take the credit for it. That's humility. You can't be humble about doing nothing. You got to do something great. Amen? You got to partner with God, bro, and say yes to his promises and walk in them and then not point the guns and the, the attention back on you. Look what I did. You say, look how the Lord is using me. Look how he is working through my life. I was this, now I'm that. That's humility. And that's humbling yourself. When someone says, Caleb, that was great, I just say, I just hope it helped. I just want to be helpful. That's what I want. I say it at the door all the time. I was like, was it helpful? I just want to be helpful. Not, great job, Kevin. I was like, I know. Even though I plan to do a great job. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't plan to do a bad job. Okay, I think you get it. And finally, true humility actually results in honor. It says, humble yourself, therefore, that at the proper time he may exalt you. So some of you, have humbled yourself and resisted his exaltation of you. You've humbled yourself, but then you step into false humility when you won't let him exalt you. I've done that. I did it with Together. Hopefully you've heard of that. It's this amazing thing that's happening in Tampa Bay. 
100 different congregations were represented this last year on Pentecost Sunday. 100 different congregations on a Sunday morning in one place, and it wasn't anybody's church building. And there was no tithe or offering. No one even said their names. No church names, no person names. There's one name, literally one name mentioned that day. 60 churches actually closed their doors. Said, we're not going to gather in our building. The other 40 sent representatives or had some mix of it, which is totally cool. But 60 shut the thing down and took that risk and been a part of that. I was the first phone call when Pastor Gio got that vision from the Lord. He had a vision for that. He called me first because he's like, who would be crazy enough to shut down their church on a Sunday morning and meet me in a field somewhere with my church and not take an offering? Yeah, Caleb. Let's call Caleb. <laughs> That's what he said. He calls me. We talk. I'm like, yes, we're in. So Gio's been the face of this thing, and I've been the, the, I'm the production side. I'm logistics, okay, all logistics. If Gio were on this stage, and he, he might watch this live stream later, I have no problem saying this way because he said it many times. He would say, two gather would not have happened without Caleb Hires. None of them would have happened. I literally carried the logistics load of it. It would not have gone, okay? Are we okay? You're like, ooh, I smell pride. <laughs> we'll see who's got an army against them in just a minute, right? So we'll see. <laughs> there was a moment where I, I was getting very upset with Gio because he kept wanting to bring me on stage. And I was like, no, I am not speaking. I'm not praying. I'm not getting in front of people. No. I'm running the event. First of all, I got too many things to do, Gio. All right? I got a lot of things to do that you're not doing. I have to do them all. I have to have teams. I'm we led a team of uh, 285 volunteers for Together. I was responsible for 285 different faces to be in the right spot at the right time. Okay? So I'm like, I ain't got no time to get on that stage. I need to do this. And that's not what's going on. God gave you the vision. I'm here to support you. I'm not getting up there. And we had a fight. We argued. He's like, dude, I just really feel like you need to pray. You need to be up there with me. I'm like, I'm doing things. Leave me alone, you know. <laughs> and his wife, Destiny, who's a prophetess of God, straight up. If you ever met Destiny, you know, okay. She looks straight at me. Well, first she's like, come on, Caleb. We really think this is important. I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing it. I'm like, I'm being humble, you know. And she looks at me and she goes, you're in rebellion, I was like, and it really tested how humble I was being because I wanted to be like, who are you saying? Who are you talking to like that? Like, who are you talking to like that? What? I didn't say that. I thought it real loud, but I didn't say it. I worked through those feelings and thoughts. I was like, wait a minute, what's happening right here? I was like, what do you mean I'm in rebellion? She's like, you're rebelling against the Lord. You said to yourself, God gave us this event, not you, and we're trying to put you in a place, and you won't do it. I'm like, I need a minute. I need a minute. So I went home, and I prayed about it, and I got convicted. The Lord started, you are in rebellion. I ordained something. I gave them charge over it, and they're trying to exalt you. And this is the verse that came. He said, humble yourself, therefore, so that at the proper time, he will exalt you. And I'm like, he said, he said to me, you've refused the exaltation that comes as the fruit of humility. And now you're in pride. I was like, Destiny, you're right. I was in rebellion. I'm so sorry. Literally. I was like, guys, I repent. 
to them. It's like, please. I said, God did give you this. Wherever you tell me to go, I will go. Whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Whatever you tell me to stop doing, I will stop doing. Whatever you want is what I want. And I just submitted to them. And I had the high privilege of praying on that stage in front of 4,500 people, leading the church of Tampa Bay in prayer. It's a high privilege. And they made me shout Jesus really loud at the end, which was also kind of awesome, you know. So <laughs> with that shout, if you were there, you, uh, if you didn't feel that in your guts, then you're not breathing. I don't know, bro. Like, you're not alive. You're a zombie if you didn't feel that one. It was awesome. It was awesome. True humility, if we can capture this, if we can compare ourselves to God and not to one another, true humility will pave the way for a people who are unified in the way they carry the Holy Spirit. It's going to happen. It's vital to the program. Would you stand? I'm going to read one more scripture of you. I'm going to have our prayer team come on down here. And we're going to have Bonnie come and play like an angel up here because she's really good at it. Thank God we have people good at stuff. Yeah. I want you to hear for Ephesians 4, 1 through 6 one more time. I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation so it's a little different. I want you to hear it. So you might have to close your eyes to hear it, but just listen to this with your spirit. This is Paul saying, as a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you. And as your brother in the faith, Caleb is saying to you, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling with tender humility and quiet patience, Always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Uh-huh. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one, and so are we. This is what I want us to say right now. Would you say this with me? The Lord God is one. And so are we. So we must have humility. The Lord God is one. And so are we. So we must have humility. For we share in one faith, one baptism, and one Father. And He is the perfect Father who leads us all, works through us all, and lives in us all. Amen. Father God, I pray right now that you would grip our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that in your mercy you oppose us when we're prideful. Out of mercy you oppose us. You would not let us continue in pride because you know that we are ineffective for the kingdom, that we are harmful towards our brothers and sisters, that we're no good for nobody when we're stuck in pride. So, Lord, we thank you for removing pride off of your church through opposition. Come on, this is a dangerous prayer. I dare you to pray it. <laughs> Thanking God for opposing you if you're in pride. Thank him for it. Thank you, God, that you would not let me go on the way I was, that you would not let me continue in pride, that you know, God, without humility, I cannot do anything you're calling me to do. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for your sovereign power to do it. And Lord Jesus, right now, I ask that this room would truly, truly not think less of themselves, 
but think of themselves less. God, would you birth that in us? And if it's already there, let it continue. Let it grow. Let it flourish. Let it become an, an oak tree in our spirit, a strong tower. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to hear your word and to humble ourselves before you. We're thankful, Lord, that during worship, you are releasing the true fear of the Lord. I pray we would walk out of here every step with you in mind, Lord. Are we walking in step with you? Let it be prevalent. Let it be intentional. Let it be real. And Father, right now, I pray that anyone in this room who has not humbled themselves to the point of saying, I need a Savior. Anyone who has not humbled themselves to the point of saying, I can't forgive myself. I did horrible things. I need someone else to forgive me. Anyone who's not humbled themselves to the place to where they say, I need you, Jesus, to come and wash me clean. I pray today would be the day of salvation. Oh, God, would you capture hearts by the power of your spirit? And would you lead the lost sons and daughters who may be in this room home to their father? But God, I know it's going to take humility. So Father, I'm praying for that humility to fall on our hearts, that we would confess and say, I need a Savior. If you've never done that today, as soon as I say amen, this team is here to receive you. And they will introduce you to the most kind, generous, loving, beautiful person ever to live. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God and God the Son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died a horrible death. He died at the hands of wicked men, ripped to shreds so you could be made whole. He took on your punishment, what you should have received for your wrongdoing. And everyone here knows they've done something wrong. He took all of it on, all of the punishment, all of the wrath of God, and said, I'm here to prove my love for you. And he stretched out on that cross. And he said, I love you this much. And now he calls men and women everywhere to repent, meaning change the way you think, to receive the forgiveness of sins, and to believe that he is God. Because he didn't just stay on that cross. He went into a tomb, and three days later, he picked himself up out of that grave. He rose again, and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. And he is inviting everyone everywhere to come home, to know the peace of God. The offering today is righteousness, peace, and joy on the other side of your humility. Come on. It's a good deal. <laughs> it's a great deal. He'll give you his righteousness. He'll implant his peace. He'll give you his joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want that, run, don't walk to this prayer team as soon as we close. And, ask, and say to them, I want to know Jesus. Amen? If you're here and you have pain in your body, we see miracles all the time. We want to see you healed. That's the mercy of God may manifest. If you need prayer of agreement, if you have sin that the Lord showed you, come to the altar and confess it. Confess your sins to one another, James 5, that you may be healed. That you may be healed. This is a house of healing. It's a house of safe confession and a house of healing. But most of all, 
walk out in the fear of the Lord and walk out comparing yourself to Jesus. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's walk out low so that we can lift others up. Amen. Jesus, we're asking you to do it. We need your help. You have to help us. These things are too, too lofty for us mere humans. So we're asking for your spirit inside to lift us up and to lead us out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Was that helpful? Okay. <laughs> Amen. Bonnie's going to play a little bit. Please come to the altar. But listen, if you got giants and world changers in TRP kids, please get them first. First. Everybody say first. Before you get prayer, before you talk, get them first. All right? But have a great day. We'll see you next week. Come get prayer. We'll see you in Fresh Start. If I'm going right in right now. So we'll see you there. Bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.